We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where this podcast episode was produced. We pay our respects to the Camaragal people of the Garingai Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge the traditional owners from all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands you are listening from today. Just a heads up that we're talking about some heavy topics in this episode, including bullying and suicide. Some of the guests' names and voice have been changed to protect their privacy. It was Mother's Day when he was 12 of that year, and he had just had enough. Ruth is a mother from Adelaide. She wrestled with the impact that bullying had on her son. He was only 12 years old when he tried to end his own life. He just didn't want to be here anymore. He believed that he was uh, worthless and, you know, a piece of crap like you get getting told every day. And he just gave up. Ruth often felt completely helpless, unable to protect him on school grounds. Kids would run away from him in the schoolyard. You would find parents sitting there talking about their kid's birthday party and he was the only one that wasn't invited to it. This is Becky, another mother from Melbourne. She never imagined how much watching her son being bullied would test her perseverance. It was really isolating and um, it was really heartbreaking to watch. Becky herself had been bullied in school, so she was fully aware of the severity of its impact on her childhood. And finally, we listened to Lara. Racism forced her and her family out of rural Victoria. They were desperately searching for a community to welcome them and offer a sense of belonging. Instead, her eldest son was ostracised his entire first school term. After suffering in silence, he eventually collapsed in his mother's arms, unable to take it anymore. It was affecting him badly. He kept it to himself because of the um, implicit culture among students that if they speak up about them being at the receiving end of bullying, then their jobs, a snitch, and all sorts of you know unpleasant characteristics. And so he gets bullied if he speaks up about bullying. It's just a vicious cycle. I'm Ray Johnston. On this episode of Harmful, we will learn how these three mothers, Ruth, Becky and Lara, coped while supporting their children who were being bullied at school. As parents, we may not allow ourselves to acknowledge the personal impact of this. It's natural to prioritise your child's trauma and focus on getting them through it. So how can you look after yourself while also supporting your child? It can be challenging to get your child to open up about anything, but especially when they're being bullied. But Ruth's challenge, that was different. She had a very strong relationship with her son. He would come to her every day and list the incidents of bullying he experienced. Despite the open communication between them, Ruth still felt powerless. She wasn't getting any support from the school. She says her son would have never survived without family support. He was told daily how stupid he was, how he's worthless and he shouldn't be here. They would 
ignore him and pretend to not hear because he was deaf. Just not include him in anything. They used to just out him all the time because he was deaf. There was an incident on the Oval one day where there was a, a dead bird and they stuck a stick into its body and held it up into my son's face against the fence. My son managed to push this kid out of his way but got in trouble because he pushed the kid. But it was like, well, what about the kid putting this dead bird in my son's face? It was like this whole backwards strain of how they dealt with things. Then he suffered a second head injury, which was at the school in the gym two years later when he was 12. And because of that, he had more damage. So we ended up in a head trauma rehabilitation centre for six weeks and coming back into school from that, again, was bullied severely. You're a dumbass, you're a dumbass. You know, go and kill yourself. You're worthless, which in turn, in the end, you know, my son gave up. Becky's child suffers from scoliosis and a rare brain disorder. He requires significant care and patience to allow him to express himself. The bullying he faced at school doubled Becky's anxiety. She was unable to protect him, and he was unable to protect himself or even ask for help. He started doing kinder and grade one at a mainstream school. That was an experience in itself. I mean, while obviously cyberbullying is a really unfortunate reality for a lot of young kids, kids with special needs, though, are at a greater risk of being targeted by their peers, and that was paramount there. Like, it was really horrible. Every day you would, like, um, you would rock up there and you would see the kids teasing him and running away and things like that. And it was really horrible. Like, he would come out sometimes crying and, you know, that he wanted to try to explain that he wanted to play with the kids and they wouldn't let him. And it was, um, yeah, that was pretty horrific. You know, and parents, to be honest, a lot of the time parents are just as bad. Yeah, I remember one instance, I think, with my son in the end, especially when he was younger, it was a lot harder for him to communicate. If he couldn't sometimes get his point across, you know, he could get a a bit impulsive. And I think he ended up pushing a kid because he kept snatching stuff off him and he couldn't explain that to stop and that he didn't want it and the parent absolutely ripped through me and you know and was like you know you shouldn't be having him here and all this sort of stuff it was horrible even on the playground you would get it like if you went out and you know parents would just be like you should keep him at home lara relied on a promise made to her by a school in melbourne that they would support her to help her son integrate with his new classmates, especially since he joined in the last term of grade six. This promise was a safety net that helped her to entrust him to their care. So days went by and um, one day my son collapsed at night. Um, total uh, meltdown. He had a nervous breakdown and um, he was just around 11 years old at that time. 
And it's only then that he declared that he was at the receiving end of uh, constant incidents of bullying at school and he was not being welcomed at all. He kept telling us all sorts of different stories that kept happening in the last perhaps month or more where um, his classmates, for example, would just move away whenever he sits or he arrives, would um, call him names, uh, would not include him when they play basketball, would not include him in parties when they have like a snack um, sharing plate at, at school. No, the next day, of course, I did not send him to school. The next day, I went in the morning and um, called for a meeting with the principal and the, his teacher, and I cried in their office. And I pointed out the fact that they have assured me that they're going to take care of his integration into the system, into the new class environment. But it was too late. I made it very clear to the school that I'm not going to send my son to this school and I don't care about his academic achievement or learning he's going to accumulate. I care about his mental health. That's my priority. And um, after keeping him home for a couple of days, um, we worked together with a teacher to send him back on um, a smaller gaps within the shadow of the teacher so he could take care and watch and keep an eye on him. We made the agreement that um, he's going to um, do well in high school when he moves in to, to a different cohort and a different environment and context. But then he's now again at the receiving end of bullying in high school. I hear the stories of these three mothers and I empathise with them deeply. Not only was I a victim of bullying during my school years, I also watched my son face the same challenge. It made me feel helpless, angry. But what about Ruth, Becky and Lara? How did they cope? It broke me. It really broke me. As his mum, I've got this child who has, you know, suffered two severe head injuries and is suffering because of that. And then to be in a, a school where they preach all of this, love each other and respect one another and care for each other, and you're doing the complete opposite and trying to get my head around what that actually looks like was just ridiculous. And, you know, I just watched my son um, deteriorate and it um, it's broken me as a mum. I would um, cry at night. I just didn't want him to see me like that because I was his lifeline. I was his support system. We were as a family and that's how I got through it because during the day, you know, I had to be that strong person who, you know, he could see keep pushing forward, keep strong and keep fighting. And sometimes I would get in the car and I would go sit at the beach and just scream and cry in my car because I just didn't want him to see what I had done to me. Um, it's heartbreaking, I guess. There's no other way to put it. You know, obviously you want what's best for your kids and when you see them distraught and upset, that's, you know, that's devastating. And I mean, I remember what it was like with myself when I was bullied as a kid and, you know, I had the capacity to be able to, you know, sort of tell people close to me what was going on and stuff. But, you know, with Mickey, it's you know, a lot harder. A lot of the time he's not even aware that he's being bullied. It's heartbreaking. Like, I I see it every day. Like, he literally, yesterday, he had, um, my daughter was at netball and 
some of the kids were making fun of the way he was talking. It's quite a regular occurrence that I've had a lot of a lot of uh, practice kind of biting my tongue with some of the things that comes out of kids' mouths. It's hard. It's it's very hard and it can be very lonely. I found it very, very isolating, especially in the early stages of being a mum when I was still learning and adapting and didn't quite know how he would um, was going to be and um you know and you would get friends even your own friends that would turn around and say like um so are you kid free (laughs) because they kind of didn't want to hang out if you know you you had you had him around it was um a massive wake-up call in terms of who your friends were and yeah helpless the word is helpless because your son does not want you to speak up to the school about it because of that implicit culture among kids and then I know from other parents that the school will not do anything to fix it because of other anecdotal stories among other parents of similar incidents that happened to their kids and then how the school was dismissive of their um, needs and their uh, the problem itself I'm helpless there's nothing I could do to help my son who's, who keeps on saying it's part and parcel of being in high school and uh, there's nothing I can do to fix it and please don't interfere, you're just going to make it worse. Bullying can make you shift places and leave your neighborhood to some other place across the country. This is how bad bullying can impact an entire family. It's not only the child who's at the receiving end of bullying that is a victim, it's the entire family. Our mental health gets deteriorated. It's like putting a stick in the cycle of your everyday engagement and everyday routine. It's an accumulation of pressure comes from all sorts of places. It's not just the one incidence of bullying that my son have encountered. It's the accumulation of racism, microaggression, as well as normal kind of bullying that kids have at school. The accumulation of all that on a migrant family like mine is devastating. Let me tell you that is devastating. How do I seek support? Well, I am on antidepressants, so I guess that helps. And I don't think I would have managed to get through this without um, medication. Ruth, Becky and Lara unanimously agreed that what upset them the most was their school's lack of support. I dealt with the same thing with my son. We all hoped for initiative from the schools to protect our children and peers from being bullied. He was sitting on a table of four and he had to sit at the front of every single class so he could hear. Otherwise, if he was in the middle or at the end, he couldn't hear anything. He wouldn't be able to do his work. At the end of year seven, he was petrified to go and say to a teacher, what was it that you said? Because the kids would give him so much grief. So in the end, he just stopped asking and his work just didn't get done. You know, in year six, he had this teacher that I went in and I said to this teacher, can you please move him from that table? Because they're clapping in his ear. How are you standing there not watching them clapping in his ear and say anything? And his words to me were, when these kids mature, they'll stop and your son will be okay. I know my jaw hit the floor um, and my chin was completely bruised because I couldn't 
get my head around the stupidity that had come out of this teacher's mouth. You know, and this teacher had been there for years. He was not, it wasn't that he wasn't experienced. It was like, what do you, what do you mean? When they mature, my kid's gonna kill himself before these kids mature. Please move, like, you know, we would just beg. We would beg and beg and beg for help and no one would help him and no one would sit and, you know, listen to him or, or listen to me and, you know, the reason he is alive today is because of the support system and everything we've done with him at home and the support that he got from us. Um, definitely not anything that the school offered. I think if there were better systems in place with our schools, especially our mainstream schools, when it comes around education around disability, I think that would make a big impact because I don't believe that there is, you know, much education around that. So, I mean, how can you get upset at something that isn't being taught? Every child would be at the receiving end of bullying at a certain point of their lives, whether in primary or in high school, or even in, at college. It's not what's in him that triggers bullying. It's more so the culture that allows bullying to grow and be normalized and accepted. It's a common problem that everyone would encounter because of a culture that allows it to flourish. The normalization of bullying needs to stop. We need to disrupt this unacceptable phenomena in our schools. We need to put in programs in place. So why aren't schools stopping bullying on their campuses? And what's happening outside of the schools that is getting in the way? This is Brendan Ma from Leading Teams. He was a principal and teacher who worked in eight schools across Victoria for 40 years. The issue is that as society becomes more inclined to bully and intimidate, so will schools. So if as a society people accept that verbal intimidation, that social intimidation, that psychological intimidation is acceptable, you know, everyone's very quick to point the finger at young people in regards social media, body image, you know, the sorts of things that are said about people, and some of it horrendous. However, let's also have a look at what adults say about one another in Facebook and in all forms of social media. It's like schools are being asked to deal with this issue, but do it with one hand tied behind your back and one leg up in the air. Very often, schools are asked to deal with stuff that is con- quite literally countercultural to the world in which we live. You know, I've had parents say to me, what's wrong with my kid just belting that other kid? Now, that's what they do in the backyard at home, or that's what I did when I was growing. In a way, I understand that, and yet in a school, we can never condone it. In society, people do condone verbal bullying. In our society, people will spread rumours about one another. They'll use humour about people to actually belittle them. You know, they'll, they'll actually encourage people to be socially excluded. Adults I'm talking about here. And yet when it happens with children in a school context, we become, and rightly so, we are up in arms. But let's not pretend that this is not a much, much broader 
societal issue. So what can schools do? It takes around about six to seven years to, to actually reculture a school. And organisationally, that's probably around about the same. It will take a commitment of school communities to actually say, all right, within this community in which we live, we're going to work on a reculturing program here where we're prepared to openly, honestly talk about bullying and, and discuss the issues that surround it. But at the same time, we're going to be talking about respectful relationships. Each and every person in this school community will be respected and will trust, can trust, that if they have an issue, they'll be listened to and that it will be enacted upon. Not just listened to and shoved into a, you know, a, a file somewhere, but it will be acted upon. I consider myself truly fortunate to have worked in school communities where issues like this could be openly, honestly, and transparently discussed. And in doing so, whilst we still had a small number of issues, we were also extremely fortunate that through sheer hard work and through a commitment to build relationships, we were able to mitigate many of the challenges that we faced in this sort of relationship space. It can be done. It can be done. It's not an easy process, which means as parents, we need to look after our well-being while supporting our children through these challenges. Rand Fired is a family counsellor, mentor, and dispute resolution practitioner. She's helped many parents overcome their trauma from bullying. She offers advice for struggling parents. In order for us to be able to support our children in the best way possible, we need to look after ourselves first. When you go on an airplane, you are asked to put the mask for yourself first in the occasion of emergency before you put it for your child. I want you to remember this example all the time. If you do not look after yourself, if you do not put yourself and mental health and well-being as a priority, you will not be able to help your children. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to go and seek help. It's okay to talk about your emotions and understand them and learn how to manage them. You know, emotional intelligence is really important for adults as well as children. Our children will copy our reaction to things. So we'll need to learn ourselves first how to manage our own emotions. Feeling anxious and worried about your child, that's a normal thing. If it, it becomes, if it overtakes your emotional status and start to negatively impact your life, then you need to go and seek help. There are so many places that you can go to to seek help. Like the easiest and closest of them is calling the helpline where like qualified counselors will be answering the phone calls 24-7. They will help in guiding you and teaching you specific skills in managing your own emotions this way, your mind is clear so you can help your child focus on resolving the problem. Rand also has some tips to help parents support their kids who are being bullied. My advice for parents, if it appears that the bullying is physical, as a parent, you need to go and tell the authorities. That is the police, the principal, the teacher, the parents of the other, you know, um, of the bully. 
but do something about it to stop it immediately. If the bullying is otherwise, we need to remain calm and we need to think about ways to empower our children. Just listen to them, stay calm and teach them some tools so they can solve their own problem. And that's what they need. They need to learn how to solve their own problems. Ask your child, okay, what would you like me to do? What would you like me to support you in doing? Encourage your child to act calm in the face of bullying. Because, you know, when people bully, they want your reaction. If you stay calm, that won't fulfill their needs. Most likely they will just, you know, stop. And I highly, highly encourage parents to rehearse and role play with their children different scenarios. Prepare your child so they are, when they are in the situation of being bullied, they know what to do. They have already rehearsed that with their parents so many times, and now when they are in the real-life situation, they know how to manage it, they know how to deal with it. So they are equipped with the right and different skills and techniques to deal with bullying. Thanks for listening to this episode of Harmful. If you or someone you know need mental health support, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300-22-4636 and Kids Helpline on 1800-55-100. Harmful is hosted by me, Ray Johnston, and produced by Maram Ismail. Listen and follow the podcast in the SBS radio app at sbs.com.au forward slash harmful or in your favourite podcast app. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can email the team at harmful at sbs.com.au.